My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true, he showed all his glory so there's no excuse. So worship, adore him, and baptize his name. So let all the ages his greatness proclaim. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and he is alive. The Christ is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and He is alive. He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave, exalted on high for the life that He gave. So glory and honor and praise is His name. So chaos of kingdoms His sonship proclaim. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive. The Christ is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible and it is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible and it is alive. The Spirit inspired the great men of God who penned all the while here on this song, it sharpens and swords and it bears the same. Since power is failing, it's worth we proclaim. God's word is alive, God's word is alive, God's word is alive. We live in a very uh, interesting world, I guess I'll put it that way. Because, you know, there are some things that we experience in life that don't always exactly make sense to us at first or seems like they kind of uh, contradict themselves. Like, for example, we live in a world where there are giant shrimp. Okay, which are they? Are they big or are they little? And for somebody to even say that that a person can can speak with a loud whisper. Uh, okay, we understand what that means, but it sounds like it doesn't make sense at first. See, there are, are simple things, and I know that those are just some, kind of some silly examples, but there are some more important things like that. And especially whenever it comes to the Bible, there are things that don't always seem like they make sense at first, or, or how can they possibly both be true? But I believe that there are several beliefs that we come in contact with in the Bible that they are important for us to balance them out, for us to recognize that they both can be true. But maybe not as we, you know, first thought about it, or maybe they take a little bit more time for us to truly think about that. And I want to start that off by looking at this balanced belief that Jesus is both God and man. See, this is a belief that I think is important. And, and I think that if you look back at history, you might find from time to time that, that people might emphasize Jesus being God. And they might kind of not talk too much about Jesus being a man. Or the reverse might be true. Sometimes they might speak about Jesus being a man, but then kind of push the fact that he is God off to the side. Both of those 
can give us kind of a strange view about Jesus. Because after all, if Jesus truly is God and man, which I believe he is, then it's important for us to balance out those beliefs and for us to see how those two things make sense together. Now, I want to start off showing you one of my favorite places to go to whenever we, we talk about Jesus being both God and man. And I want to show you from the very beginning that, yes, Jesus is both God and man. And that comes to us in John chapter 1. Okay, This is the short answer to, the, to this, uh, this question or kind of this balanced belief. Is Jesus truly God and man? Yes. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. We see that this word that's being described there, it was God. And then in verse 14, we find out that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So the short response, the short answer about Jesus being God and man are found in these two verses. You find out that this word was God, this word became flesh. Whenever you look at the surrounding verses, of course, it makes only sense that this passage is talking about Jesus. Jesus was and is both God and man. But let's take a look at each one of these things and let's let's kind of notice that Jesus is both God and man. Let's start with this first one. Jesus is God. Let's also look, whenever we see these passages that tell us that Jesus is God, let's also look as to why it's important that we believe this. Now, this one, most of you know us, we, we have no problem with, and we, we believe this, and we understand the importance of it. But I still want us to kind of go over these things because it's important to, to think about them. It's important to remind one another and to make sure that, that we stay uh, firmly rooted in the truth of God. So, Jesus is God. Let's look at just a few passages that show us this. The first passage I want us to look at is Colossians 1, verses 19 through 20. We read, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, it probably makes sense to you when you look at verse 19, that him that is being talked about is Jesus Christ. After all, he's the one who made peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. But also, if you want kind of a little bit more of a complete uh, answer to who the him is, Go back up to verse 15, and in verse 15, you find out that, that he is talking about the Son, and he says a lot of these things about the Son, and part of that is God was well, uh, I'm sorry, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in the Son, to dwell in him. So whenever you have all the fullness of God dwelling in somebody, you know, it kind of makes sense that that somebody would be very important. In fact, in this case, it makes sense that that somebody is the fullness of God. What could that possibly mean besides Jesus is God? He came in the flesh. And he came here in order to make peace through his blood. And that's also kind of an important thing and, and kind of a little bit of an interesting question that we might have. Uh, because, you know, whenever you look at the fact that Jesus died, when you believe that Jesus is God, you might question that. Okay, how can God die? Well, keep that in your mind because that deals with the second part that Jesus is also a man. And he did make peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. The book of Colossians is full of different passages that talk about the deity of Jesus. That means that Jesus is God. He is the God that we read about throughout the pages of the Old Testament. He is the God who loves us so much that, that he became a human being. 
He took on flesh to be just like us for a time. All the fullness of God dwells within the Son. It is within the Son. Also in the book of Colossians, the next chapter, Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, we read this. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now we see this amazing passage that, that speaks about how Jesus is God. And now we see that in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives. You'll find several passages like this in Colossians. They all point toward the fact that Jesus, Jesus Christ, he is our God. And through Jesus, he, he did so many wonderful things. Right here, we see this, this connection about being buried with him, verse 12, in baptism. And then we also see how that's kind of how we died to our old self, how we are buried with him in baptism, but then also how we're raised up from the dead. And this was all the working of God. This was all part of the plan of God. For Jesus, his son, who is God, to do all of these things and for us to take part in that in the sense of being buried with him and being connected with him through this baptism. Jesus is God, and we find several passages in the, uh, the New Testament that tell us that. Now, there's plenty of other passages uh, that we could go to and that we could look at in order to find. In fact, there's, there's a very long list of different passages. I just wanted to give you just kind of a handful of these that show us that Jesus is God. I want to give you one more passage, though, that, that speaks about this, too, and tells us about the part that Jesus played in all of this. Now, yes, we already see it here in Colossians, the part that Jesus played and how he, how he has helped us, how he's, he's redeemed us and how he has made peace through his blood. But there's also still more. There's more because of the example that Christ lived for us. And to that, we turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. One of my most favorite passages because it talks about not only the humility of Christ, but also the greatness of Christ. I guess that's maybe another little bit of a, of a balanced belief that we need to have that centers around Jesus Christ. But this tells us to look to Jesus as an example for us. What's the example that we can learn from Christ that we can imitate in our own lives? Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 states this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage tells us so much about the part that Jesus played throughout our history. We see in verse 6 that this example that we learn from him is that he was being in the very nature of God. Once again, Jesus is God. The very nature of him is God. But yet, what did he do with that? You know, he could have just 
Stick with me just for a moment. Jesus, whenever he lived here, he could have looked down on us as humans. And he could have said, well, you know, you're just you're just part of my creation. I'm the one who created you. So I'm something great and you need to, you know, give me uh, everything and, and, you know, just kind of uh, serve me in every way. But that's actually not what Jesus did. Jesus took on the role of a servant. He, he obeyed our Heavenly Father, showing us the example, showing us what really uh, our humanity should mean, that submission to God the Father. Anyways, verse 6 right here. Maybe I'm getting a little bit off and maybe I'm kind of meshing some of these. I guess that goes to show that this truly is a balanced belief for us to have that Jesus is God and man. We need to balance those two things out and recognize the truth of each. So Jesus is in the very nature of God, but what did he do with that? He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I love the way that the NIV translates this passage because there's different types of ways that they can translate that. And honestly, this verse is one that is, is kind of a little confusing and you might find several different types of translations. But what it comes down to, I think is best stated here in the NIV, that he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. What did he do? He took on the nature of a servant. He didn't act like he was all high and mighty, even though he truly was. He didn't act like that. He took on the role of a servant. He was in the very nature of God, but he came here as a human to show us how we need to live. Like I said, I know I keep kind of maybe combining these two thoughts and, and this just goes to show us this is a balanced belief that we do need to, to contain both of these things. We also find out this praise that our, our Heavenly Father gives to him. He exalted the name of Jesus. The first tens can say that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every single knee should bow. And every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, I'm not going to go into great detail about this, but I think this statement that Jesus Christ is Lord is the best way that they could have said it within the Greek language, at least, that Jesus Christ is God, because that was the way to communicate it. Basically, the word Lord is is the proper name for God in the Old Testament whenever you translate that into Greek. So saying that Jesus Christ is Lord, yes, it's saying that he's the master of your life, but I believe it's more than that. I believe it's also saying that Jesus Christ is our God. Jesus is God. But that's not all. We can't just keep it that Jesus is God. I believe it's not by accident that he became a human being. So let's kind of dive into some of that and, and notice a few passages uh, that speak of his humanity. So Jesus is a man. But let's also notice why this is important. From the book of Hebrews, we see a, a lot of a reason for why this is important. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This right here tells us plainly why Jesus being a man, why Jesus being a human being is so important. It's because he was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he didn't sin. Now, we need to understand that Jesus is a human because it's only because he is a human that those temptations that he endured make sense. He, he was tempted just like what we are, 
in the same type of way. But he didn't give in to those temptations. He remained firm and he showed us a better way. Now, I know it's not been too long ago that we've even looked at the temptations in the wilderness that Jesus endured. And, you know, so I, uh, everything that we kind of looked at there is important whenever you come to this. But Jesus Christ being a human being, he has been tempted. He knows exactly what we're going through. That's so important and really very comforting. He knows exactly the types of things that we are going through because he himself has undergone the same types of trials. But he didn't give in to those temptations. He remained firm. So this passage, it does talk about him being a human and talk about him being tempted just like we are. But it does still point to a little bit more as well. Now, let's continue on with, with looking at some other passages that speak about Jesus being uh, a human. Which, by the way, one that uh, I guess I kind of forgot to mention a little bit earlier is the fact that his genealogy is mentioned in Matthew's gospel and also in Luke's gospel. We're not going to look at those genealogies, but you know they're the the uh, the list of uh, of all the the humans who um, you know starting from from Adam and going all the way to Jesus, or starting with Abraham and going all the way to Jesus. They show us that Jesus is a human being. Well, those genealogies they point toward Jesus being a human. This passage also points toward Jesus being human. But there's a lot of other passages that point to the same thing as well. In the book of Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, really what we're going to be paying a lot of attention to is verses 4 through 7. But I want us to back up to verse 1 because I think in these first three verses, what we really see there is the importance of humanity and what we all as humans are called to be engaged in here. Let's look at the first three verses, and I think that'll make a little bit more sense. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Let's, we'll pause there. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet, uh, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. So this passage, I know that I backed up into these first three verses, but this is talking about us being human. You know, we don't need to be the, the type of humans uh, that, uh, that can't relate with other humans. You know, we need to recognize that, that we need to be praying for one another. Because, uh, as verse 2 tells us, uh, kings and those people who are in authority, they are also human beings. And they also have their own mistakes. They've also uh, had to go through their own temptations and their own trials. We need to be praying for those people. Pray for those who are in authority. We need to be praying for, for all people, for this, this struggle that we as humans all endure and that all uh, that we all go through. So that, that way we can live peaceful and quiet lives. So that we can have this godliness and this holiness. All of this is good and it pleases God, our Savior. That right there is really talking about our humanity. And I hope that that can really speak to us as, as being uh, humans and what it means to to uh, reach out to our fellow man during this time and every time. But if we look at verses four through seven, now we see that Jesus being a human being, the importance of that. So verse three, this is good and pleases God our savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, this is now 
Uh, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 5 tells us that there is one mediator between God and mankind. That is the man, Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting to me that every time that we, we see Jesus being a human being uh, after he became one uh, in the gospel accounts, every passage talks about him as still being a human being. And that's why I didn't write that Jesus was a man. You know, if you, if you remember the whole title of this, this balanced belief is that Jesus is God and he is man. Because I don't believe that what we have in Jesus Christ is that, you know, he, he is God and he was a man. No, I believe we still see that he is a human being, that he still is, of course, God, but he still is that human being. He ascended into heaven. He is at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our mediator, but he is still described as being this man, Jesus Christ. He knows what we've gone through. He knows the type of temptation and the struggles that we have. He endured it and he showed us what it means to truly be a good human, the perfect human. And he asks us to follow him. This is our God. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the man, Christ Jesus, who is our mediator. So there's one final passage, though, that I want to share with you. And it talks about the, the importance of the humanity of Jesus. That's found in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5, we find out language about Adam being used here, how Adam is, is the, uh, the first human, but now we have this last Adam who has come, and it's compared with Jesus Christ. We see this passage here in Romans 5, and, and then we also see the same type of thing being talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, we're not going to be into uh, 1 Corinthians 15 today, but we are going to take a look at this in Romans 5, verses 16 through 19. This is what we read about the part that, that Jesus Christ, our mediator and the human being, played in all of this. Romans 5, 16 through 19. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned uh, through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. This passage is talking about how uh, Adam, his sin, it, it brought sin and it brought uh, a certain uh, degree of problems for us as humans. And he was one man. But now we see another one man who is also important. The last part of verse 17, right there, it says, that we can see this gift of righteousness, that it can reign in life through the one man. That one man is Jesus Christ. This one man is also talked about in verse 19, that also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. That one man is Jesus Christ. He is the one who has made peace through his blood. He is the one who, who, who loves us so much that he became a servant. 
He gave his life in our place. And we have been called to, to follow him. We've been called to, to believe in him, to have faith in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's made a way for us to be saved. He's made a way for us to be righteous. This passage and this whole lesson, it does really show us that God loved us so much that even he himself stepped into human history as a human being to allow us all to be able to be counted as righteous. That's the gospel message. That's, this is the message that we must proclaim. We must recognize that Jesus is both God and man. He is our mediator. He is the one who has done so much for us. Most importantly, you know, he's made a way for us to have peace with God. He's made a way for us to be saved. Let's make sure that we follow him. And let's make sure that we reach out to others and allow them to understand this, this beautiful gospel story of how we can all be made righteous by following Jesus Christ. Do you know, little child, what is in you? You were made in the image of God.